Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Welcome in and thanks for joining us. It is a show drop day, Thursday, November 11th, early morning hours. Why? Well, because John hasn't been able to get a wink of sleep or enjoy the simple pleasures of life, which I know you, you do love to do, John, because it's like nonstop Odell Beckham Jr. watch, right? Hour to hour. Despite our best efforts this week to kind of string this thing out as long as we could, uh, that's exactly where we stand. OBJ Watch continues as we've all kind of been refreshing Twitter, hoping that, you know, hey, a dynamic number one receiver decides to come home to Louisiana in, in November. It's, that's kind of fun. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, hopefully he comes home and, jo- and joins the Saints. We're all, we're all kind of watching for it. But so far, all we can do is wait. We've had to hurry up and wait uh, for, it feels like, 10 days now, um, ever, ever since uh, the, the trade deadline when, when the fans tried to cut a deal for Beckham, weren't able to do it, and then the Browns ended up cutting him and not, not getting anything for him. So a uh, very, very smart business decision there, Cleveland. Uh, 10 out of 10, guys. Um, yeah, so with OBJ, um, there's been a number of reports about which teams are on his radar, who he's talking to, the only consistent team, no matter – where the report has come from, NFL Network, ESPN, uh, wherever, the only team that's been consistently from day one uh, is the Saints. And there's a very real possibility that the Saints were able to get him and really up- just introduce a huge upgrade to the receiving core. Um, and that, that would just be a phenomenal get. Now, we can talk about the, his, uh, his attitude and his diva qualities and this and that. and the other. None of that matters right now, okay? Uh, the, the, the Saints very badly need a wide receiver one. And they might have a chance to get him uh, here in OBJ. So, like you said, we're, we're, we're waiting day and night for him to make a decision. Uh, I feel like he's enjoying this because he, he's never been a free agent before. He, he got drafted by a very bad New York Giants franchise. He got traded to a very bad Cleveland Browns franchise. So, he, he finally has a, you know, a, a sense of agency here. He can choose where he goes to play next. And he's taking his time. He's playing his offer. He, he's trying to find the right spot. And I on a personal level, I understand that. On a professional level, I'm, I'm ready for the storyline to be wrapped up so I can focus on the Titans game this week. <laughs> yeah, I've been worried about you, John, the last 10 days. A long 10 days for you, man. You've been just like constantly trying to keep an eye on this thing and, and wait for that breaking news for Saints Wire, right? And uh, that's a great point. I never thought about it like that. Like Odell Beckham, he gets to sit there and be like, court me. Like, who wants me, right? Like, what great organization could I go to? Packers, Patriots, you want to talk to me, Belichick? I'll hear you. Saints, Chiefs, like let's let's go. Who wants me, right? So he could he gets to take his pick out of all these teams. That's a great point. Yeah, all we're doing now is just waiting for Quan Alexander, right? His former LSU teammate, Sean Payton, like get it done, like figure it out, get him here, get him to New Orleans. Because <laughs> how often do you get to add a player like this at this point in the season as a free agent? It's just something that doesn't happen all that often, right? Guys like Josh Reynolds that got cut loose and claimed by the Lions. Those are the kind of guys that clear waivers, right? Deshaun Jackson. Not Odell Beckham Jr. This is, a, this is a different one. But, you know, the news that it was down to Saints-Packers-Chiefs, right? And I agree with you, John. Yeah, Saints have been consistently there, that link to Louisiana, that, that home base thing that's always been there. What do you think about these three? Let's, let, let's break down the three, right? Like the Packers, you can ask any Packers fans, 
they never get these free agents, right? They, they're always in on these big free agents. There was all those rumors that they were going to get Stephon Gilmore a couple months ago. That didn't happen, right? This, this happens over and over. Ask any Packers fans. I have a couple good friends that are Packers fans. They'll tell you, no, 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 we never get the player. So I'm actually, I'm out on the Packers. I don't think he's going to end up over there. Oh, and by the way, they, what, they offered him the veteran minimum too, right? So we got to find a way to sweeten it up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe something behind the scenes in that contract to sweeten the deal. I don't know if the Packers are making it sweet enough. I, I believe the time speaking to you and that advocate merger, um, I believe they reported that the Saints are trying to, trying to get him to agree to a deal that would have their, their void years with a big signing bonus so they can spread it out over time yes. and, and pay him significantly more than better at a minimum. Now, what that, what that ends up being, no one seems to know, uh, but that is a creative approach they could take that teams like backers uh, have shown they don't have much of an appetite for. Uh, but what's funny here is the Saints also have a reputation of kind of always always being in the mix with every kind of ceiling to deal with uh, Jadavian Clowney or Ndamukong Sue or Antonio Brown or or whomever. Sure. Um, and it, they're, they're kind of like Green Bay in that regard, where they're always in, always in pursuit, never quite get there. Uh, Josh Norman and Malcolm Brown are two cornerbacks, that, or Malcolm Butler, excuse me, are two cornerbacks that come to mind that the Saints chase once upon a time. So... We'll, we'll, we'll see if they can pull it off this time. I think they've got a really good chance, and I think they're, that they're willing to do more than some, some other teams are uh, to bring OBJ home. The urgency for the Saints, too, right? Obviously, need a wide receiver one, but also with Deontay Harris, first of all, he's your best receiver, which is just not good, right? It's scary when Deontay Harris is your, your best receiver, but that's Nothing where we're against at. him. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, all the love and respect in the world to Deontay Harris and his family, but if you're the number one receiver, the best receiver... Oh, man, that's not a great thing. And he might be facing a, a three-game suspension. We've been waiting all year for, for that thing to un, you know, kind of unpack, right, John? And now we know that it's possible he gets suspended. So the urgency here for the Saints is, quite, is definitely there. You know, I look at a team like the Chiefs. So now, so if the Packers and the Saints are in that, that boat where they never get their guy, well, the Chiefs, the allure of Patrick Mahomes, all that, still a wide-open AFC, feels like a gettable conference right now. The AFC, nobody wants to step up and be that team. Not the Bills. Not the freaking Bills, right? They didn't want to step up and do it. Losing to the Jaguars last week. Uh, but, you know, then you got to add that element of, does Odell Beckham Jr. want to go to the Chiefs and be the third, you know, number three target behind Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey? Maybe not. When he could come to the Saints, as you've been writing, John, on Saints Wire, and be number one, get the targets, be the number one receiver, be the guy. The Saints have a history of funneling touches to their best receiver, whoever that may be. And Odell Beckham, you know, he could come to New Orleans and just walk into that role. And I, I think it's a great match um, from both sides. Even with the quarterback issues, you know, not not to neg Jameis Winston or anything, but there was not a significant drop in performance when Trevor Simeon stepped in for him. You know, Trevor was throwing the ball well. He was keeping the offense on schedule. He, he was throwing with accuracy. And after a number of very, very, very bad drops, which – helps explain why Deontay Harris is the leading receiver on the team because <laughs> nobody else can catch a cold. Exactly. Um, Tr- Trevor Simeon is probably seen in, in a much uh, much more favorable light. So I don't think that's as big of an issue as it's being made out to be. Yeah, he's not the same as a Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, some of these other quarterbacks out there. But you know, the potential for targets, uh, the, 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 the potential workload in New Orleans, um, and then you get into all the, the – the sentimental issues of them coming coming back to New Orleans, you know, where, where he where he came up, where he went to high school, where where he still is a legend. <laughs> um, I think that really appeals to somebody who, who's kind of an emotional dude, like a, like a Bill Beckham Jr. So 
I'm optimistic that the Saints can, can figure out how to get him in town. Um, but until it, until it actually happens, uh, we're, we're really just – it's all hope and dreams at this point. Exactly. That's all we got. That's all we got, right? We were hoping we could do this this segment. We were hoping we could do this segment over again, John, right? And just be like, okay, Beckham's coming. Let's break it down. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to keep waiting. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, we're just all ornery. A little bit more urgency this week. Coming off a loss to the Falcons. Just a major missed opportunity, right? Just could have been in the NFC South lead, leading the Bucks in coming into this week. That's not the case. I want to get... John's big takeaways from that Falcons loss. And I want to talk about a, a story on Saints Wire. Do the Saints have an identity crisis? I think it's an interesting conversation. We'll do that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. Welcome to week 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays as we approach the playoff push. It hasn't been pretty since week one for Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence in his debut season, but he has a chance for redemption against the Indianapolis Colts in week 10. Yes, he has no more than one passing touchdown in each game since week one, and his weapons are suspect, but the Colts offense is doing enough to force him into a pass-happy script. The Colts have given up huge numbers to quarterbacks in 2021, including a league-high 23 touchdown passes. Last week, even the Jets were able to shred this group through the air. Only one team has yielded more fantasy points per game, and this is the third-best opponent to face for yardage. Playing Lawrence is risky, but the matchup is brilliant. Washington football team running back J.D. McKissick versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the ground, this matchup is awful. Both teams return from their bye, but a common byproduct of being such a stout run defense is a team usually gives up serious volume to pass-catching backs. In the last five weeks, this defense ranks fifth in receptions allowed per game to the position. A dozen teams have yielded more aerial yards per game in that time frame, and three touchdowns over the last 29 receptions faced by running backs makes a pretty compelling case to play McKissick. He's a sound RB2 in PPR this week. Wide receiver Russell Gage, Atlanta Falcons at Dallas Cowboys. Only 11 teams have given up more catches per game than the Cowboys to wide receivers in the last five weeks, and this is the third highest rate for touchdowns against by the position. Dallas's offense is poised to rebound after what we saw last week, which should promote more passing by Atlanta. The matchup profiles for a stronger day by Gage than it does for tight end Kyle Pitts, and while Atlanta's de facto wide receiver one is risky business and fantasy, he is coming off an eight-target game and has scored at least 13.4 PPR points in two of his last three outings. Don't expect a huge day, but there's definite wide receiver three utility here in PPR scoring. Minnesota Vikings tight end Tyler Conklin at Los Angeles Chargers. He's a fine fantasy play in Week 10, as the Bolts have given up the third most yards per game to tight ends, 77, since Week 4 on the 18th most catches. A touchdown every 9.5 receptions sits as the 10th highest frequency against. One caveat here, the health of Los Angeles cornerbacks. In the past few weeks, injuries have enabled opposing wide receivers to have some fun against this defense that's otherwise strong against the position, and Minnesota has obviously very capable wideouts on the outside. That could work against Conklin. However, it also enables him to draw single coverage and roam freely. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, this uh, this loss to the Falcons, you can look at it. You can look at it two ways, right? Number one, well, maybe it's 
not the worst thing in the world because a lot of teams in the NFC lost, right? The Rams lost, the Cowboys lost, the Packers lost, right? So, and the Bucks didn't play. So, like, on one hand, it, it's not like a killer week, right? You're not out of it by any means. I still think the top six seeds in the NFC are all like pretty much set, and they're just going to be jockeying for position. Who's going to be the, the six teams that are there right now? Those six teams are going to be in the playoffs. Let's just see where they end up being seeded. But you could also look at it that, like, man, we missed an opportunity, right? All these teams lost. The Saints could have won and really just put their foot down and maybe moved up closer to that top tier that they've been kind of uh, right on the cusp of uh, joining, right? So you can look at it both ways, but I choose to be like, oh, what a missed opportunity, losing to Matt Ryan, Corderal Patterson. Like, that was painful. It had to happen to the Dirty Birds. It had to happen to the Falcons, you know, the, the Saints' oldest and most familiar rival. Um, the team that we want to see more than anyone else on the schedule year after year after year. So it has been really tough. Uh, the, the vibes on Saints Twitter have not been great. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, I'm sure not. Um, as you said, that, that article from one of our contributors, uh, Matty Hudak, the identity crisis here, you know, the, the Saints are, have all year have been able to, to kind of hang their hats on their defense. And the defense came up short in some big spots um, on that big on that big play to quarter old Patterson at the end. Of, of regulation that, that letting, um, I think, Russell Gage uh, score a touchdown on them. Um, Kyle Pitts was just dusting Marshawn Lattimore all day. Marshawn Lattimore is a guy we've been talking up since week one as having finally turned the corner, as finally playing consistently strong coverage week in and week out. Uh, he's really hit a skid these last couple of weeks, and it kind of came to a head in that matchup with, with uh, Kyle Pitts. He, he was in the pits, you could say. Uh, so penalties were, were really odd. I believe they had a season high and their penalty yard has yielded this week. Um, so obviously there's a lot they've got to clean up. You know, you, it, it's, it's just really strange. Um, it, it, this whole year for them has been very eventful in some of the worst ways. Well, one thing I look at is their performance at home against the road. They, they, they've, lost, they've lost two of the three games in the Superdome, which is just really odd for them. No doubt. And meanwhile, yeah, it, it, because, you know, for, for years and years, the narrative was, oh, well, they're a dome team. They can't win away from the dome. Right now, they have the best road winning percentage in the NFL over the last four years. And they've, they've committed a lot of time and energy into developing a strong uh, plan for these away games. Um, and you kind of wish that they could apply that, that same effort towards the home games, you know, playing in front of the home crowd. So ho- hopefully they, they ride the ship. Um, they've got a really tough matchup here in Tennessee, and they've got a lot to figure out before they make that trip. The penalties, as you hit on, were really costly. 10 penalties, 74 yards, just two of them on the defense, right? So most of these penalties came on offense. So just shooting yourself in the foot. The receivers not helping out Trevor Simeon at all. And Tre- Trevor Simeon was fine in this game, right? But you wouldn't have known it because whenever Taysom Hill came on the field, the crowd just like let, let Sean Payton and the Saints know what they want. They want Taysom Hill. And I kind of do too for some reason. I don't know why. I can't get over that thing. But and, and then again, yeah, the Caesar Superdome, one and two in the in the Superdome. You've lost to the Giants. You've lost to the Falcons at home. So uh, on this topic of an identity crisis for the Saints, like it's it's a real concern right now. The defense has become spotty. The offense has had a lot of flaws. There may be some value in considering a change at quarterback. They're on the, they're about going from Trevor Simeon to Taysom Hill, um, just because defenses have to play Taysom Hill differently. They've got to roll out different personnel. They have to adjust their coverage to him. When you have a receiving core that is just so talent uh, deficient, if you have that threat of the quarterback as a as a runner, then I think that would open up some things, and that that would that would introduce some new wrinkles to the offense. 
We'll see. We'll see what they do. You know, Trevor Simeon didn't play a bad game by any means. He, he's very low on the list of reasons the Saints lost uh, to Atlanta. Um, but looking forward, I think they may have a. I think it would be worth exploring a heavier workload for Taysom Hill. How do you feel about where the Saints stand in the playoff picture in the NFC right now, John? Um, I saw you on Twitter a little bit pushing back uh, against people hating on the Saints, saying that they're you know they're kind of a fraud right now, even, even though they're kind of firmly in the mix. It's hard to call the Saints a fraud when they blew out the Packers and knocked off the Bucks, right? <laughs> knocked off two of the teams ahead of them already. Uh, you know, I, I think the Saints are right where they're supposed to be right now, right? Right. They're not quite in that top tier with that group of teams that we think one of them will probably win the Super Bowl, Cardinals, Packers, Bucks, one of these teams, Rams. But I think the Saints are close and they're trying to close that gap. This team is strong enough. It's been built well enough where they can go anywhere in the NFL and uh, potentially win that game. Uh, they're going to compete on every game they play this year. So looking ahead and just looking at the playoff picture, um, I think they're still going to win 10 or 11 games this year, and that should be enough for a wild card seed. And so I can totally see a scenario where, where they, they kind of um, claw and fight their way to the playoffs. They get in there, they go and beat um, some team off the road, you know, whether it's the Bucks or the Packers, and, and, and they come away with a close win with their, with their defense, um, with the offense just doing enough. And then they go and they get knocked off by the number one seed, uh, Cardinals or Rams or whoever. Or when they just run into a team that's just that's just has has a strong identity, you know, whether it's the Rams' vertical passing game or the Cardinals um, just having the most explosive offense I've seen in, in a while um, with uh, Kyler Murray and all of his his many receivers must be nice. And so I think that's kind of what the Saints are. You know, they're probably very much a I don't want to say tier two, but maybe like a tier three team in the NFL where they can they can get to the playoffs, they can make some noise, um, they can possibly get, come away with a road win in, in the postseason. Um, and then you go into the offseason and say, okay, this is what this is how we can kind of advertise ourselves to free agents, to potential quarterbacks on the move, and see if we can come back in, in a big way in 2022. It, you would like to see them be able to compete with for a Super Bowl right now, um, but I just don't think that's where this, this team is, and I'm not sure that's where their destiny is right now. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Keep our eye on Twitter, John. Do a quick check on OBJ. Where, where is he? Is, is the watch over? Probably not. The thing's going to go on forever, right? Uh, and then when we come back, AK popped up on the injury report. I want to see how concerned we should be. John's going to tell us right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday Night Football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chiefs favored minus 2.5. Their money line is minus 145, so Raiders are plus 120 to win that game outright. The totals 51.5. I'm on the Raiders plus 2.5. I think we get some value after they had an absolutely pathetic performance at the New York Giants last week, and I don't think enough is being made of the struggles of the Kansas City offense and the mediocrity or just terribleness of their defense. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? See, I'm on the under. The public is on the over. The cash is on the under. I got Chiefs and Raiders both 15th and 16th in points per game. I'm going under 52.5. 
That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Alvin Kamara, John, pops up on the injury report with what they're describing as a mild knee sprain. I don't like the sound of that. Uh, how worried should we be about running back number one? The Saints rest players all the time on Wednesdays, um, especially after a game in which they had a heavy workload like Kamara did against the Falcons. And I, I think that they're, they're going to remain patient with him. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he does miss a game. He, he, had, he had to exit the Falcons game briefly. He got some attention with medical tests. I don't know if he had something t- taped up or evaluated, but he did return to the game shortly thereafter. Um, and he did finish the game. And so I can see the Saints kind of resting him for a week, leaning hard on Mark Ingram. That's why they traded for Mark Ingram is so that they could have a viable number two uh, running back there behind Kamara. And I think this is going to be a big – the game for him, um, that's, which could be tough against, uh, it could be make for make for some tough sledding against the uh, very talented uh, Titans defensive front. Um, New Orleans South Football's Nick Underhill first reported that he had a mild knee knee strain. Um, he, it's not expected to be serious, but like like, like I said, it's something we need to just have to have to hurry up and wait. As with so, so many things with Saints these days, um, the Saints have taken some precautions. They tried out a couple free agent running backs this week. They ended up signing a uh, former Jeff running back, Josh Adams, to their practice squad. He's on the practice squad along with uh, with uh, Lamar Miller, who, who was a pro bowler a couple years ago with, with the Texans, yeah. longtime Dolphins running back. Um, he, he's on the practice squad as well. He, he could get called up here soon. We'll just have to wait and see. And then you look at the active roster. That, you know, they've, they've got Kamara. His status is, is you know uncertain right now. Uh, we'll know more in a few days. And they've got Dwayne Washington. He's a special teamer. He, he, he occasionally gets a look in, in, here and there on offense and, and blowouts. Um, but Mark Ingram is probably the running – well, is, is very likely the running back to look at um, if Kamara is unavailable this week. Yeah, and it just makes you look smart, John. When you, We did a whole show on how the Saints needed some depth at running back. Couldn't just be all Kamara. And they go out, and I think they traded for uh, for uh, Mark right, like the next day, right? So that was like, that was like yeah. perfectly done. <laughs> Expertly done by you, as usual. But this game against the Titans – the uh, line on Tipico, Tennessee is a, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Saints going over to Tennessee. And uh, I am nervous about this game. I mean, the, the Titans are on fire. Yes, Derrick Henry's out. And they've added that old veteran, Adrian Peterson, in there. And uh, that didn't stop them from steamrolling the Rams on the road last week. And, and Vrabel has that team playing some defense. I think that's the side of the football that concerns me the most. And they've won five straight. They've beaten the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Rams. Uh, and, you know, with the Saints still being far from the team that I think they need to be to take a serious run, and, and kind of as you were talking about last segment, at under three points, I think I like the Titans side of this spread. I, I think this is a tough spot to go over to Tennessee and like and catch the, t- uh, the Titans, who are just red hot, John. But what do you think? I don't think the Saints are going to be able to keep the pace with, with Tennessee, even without Derrick Henry, especially the way the, the way the defense has been playing lately. I think A.J. Brown is going to have some opportunities over the top. I think Julio Jones um, could also kind of have some vintage Julio moments here. I'm not feeling great about this matchup. And I, lo- I look at the other side of the ball, and just having seen how well the 
Titans defense demolished the Rams last Sunday night. I just don't have a lot of optimism that the Saints are going to be able to, to do much better. Um, Tennessee is so disruptive up front that Jeffrey Simmons has turned into just a dynamite draftic for them. Yeah, I think I'll take the over, and I don't think that the uh, what, what is it, the two two and a half points. I, I don't think the Saints keep it that close. Yeah, two and a half, and uh, the total. I, I half expected last week's game with the Falcons to be super low scoring. It didn't end up being right because there's some fireworks there in the second half. Uh, the Saints putting 22 on the board in the fourth quarter really helped. Uh, make that line go over. The total this week is 44 and a half. I always want to bet the under for some reason, John. Oh, why do I always want to bet the under in these Saints games? That's where I'm leaning for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, the Saints do not have any receivers, so that could be in one of the That's probably why. It's just in the back of my head always. Like Deontay Harris is our number one receiver. Yeah, that's probably it. So, uh, all right, John, I guess it's like just back to the Twitter timelines, right? Let's let's keep an eye on uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and hope that problem just kind of takes care of itself by the time we talk again next week. Does that sound good to you? I'll be at the ready as soon as we hear hear any uh, credible info. Yep. Keep an eye on John John's Twitter account and uh, Saints Wire, of course, this week. Let's see where OBJ lands. Hopefully it's in Louisiana with the Saints. So for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We will catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.